Yes, good evening and welcome to Clyde One Super Scoreboard. You may have noticed some things on Clyde One haven't quite been the same today as the world reacts to the death of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, who sadly passed away age 99. We will continue with increased news updates and tributes throughout the show, but we are here until 8 o'clock talking football as best as we can. A minute's silence will be held at all SPFL matches tomorrow, so Jim Duffy and Hugh Keevans, the Scottish football show goes on, and we're here as best as we can to focus on a big weekend ahead. A sombre day A day we need to get through And normality for me is all about tone The tone of tonight's programme is to Retreat into our wee football world But with respect We've got big games this weekend Celtic at home to Livingston With no one quite sure what's going on yet With Eddie Howe Rangers play Hibs on Sunday Having shunned social media Out of respect for the Ibrox players Who have been racially abused Which is the right thing to do But at the centre of a disagreement as well over their appeal against the bans given to players who breached COVID protocols. So there you have it. A day of living history, an evening of brief respite. Jim Duffy, Mm. I'm just delighted you were able to join Mm. us tonight because every single time I look Mm. at the fixtures, your Dumbarton team are playing. So you've managed to find a day off somehow. How many games has it been this week? Yeah, well, we've had three already. So we're Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then we're away to Cove tomorrow. Right, just a nice local one. Yeah, so uh, a very hectic schedule for the players. um, You know, but it's one that they're they're, they're giving their all. Um, And I've said before, I think all part-time players, all part-time players just now in the lower divisions deserve an enormous amount of credit for what they're giving their clubs for you know people always think the footballers they keep hearing these phrases elite footballers and spoiled and rich you know stuff absolute nonsense at this level it's about commitment and attitude and the love of the game and the, they're doing an awesome amount of credit but in the in the bigger leagues obviously the, with the, the Premier League done and dusted now the big focus of all on relegation with Commander versus mm-hmm. Ross County that is a huge match um, this weekend in the bearing of who may retain their, their Premiership status yeah, some, some big sorry I was going to say some big fixtures mm-hmm. coming up this weekend and just to reiterate we will continue to give you increased news updates and tributes throughout the show but we're here until 8 o'clock as, as usual as possible Taking your call So please do get in touch Let's talk football 0141 951 1025 Now is the perfect time To pick up the phone We would be delighted To speak to you I was just going to reference That Hamilton Dundee United game As well Jim After what Brian Rice Had to say uh, About We clubs Like Hamilton Not getting What they should be getting From referees Uh, So Tomorrow uh, We'll need to see How Brian Rice Feels about that But you know Top 6 Bottom 6 Big games how important does the, the Scottish Cup become, Hugh? It's actually it's been a few weeks since we even had the Premiership. We had the, the international break, we had a cup weekend. It's, it's kind of scrambling around to remember the last Premiership game, and it was, of course, that old firm match. Yeah. Um, how much does the, the for, for those teams does it become about the Scottish Cup? Uh, about the Scottish Cup? Uh, well, I mean, you know, the Celtic and Rangers go to, or rather, Rangers are at home to Celtic. Uh, that is the, obviously. The big tie of the round uh, John Kennedy has had to say What he's had to say about the uh, Rangers And the SFA That will add spice to the occasion as well I am sure uh, But Jim Duffy's right The players in the lower leagues uh, Jim was explaining to me the way some of his players Came in the other night And I was tired listening to him <laughs> So I don't know how they felt about playing the game But uh, we are in extraordinary circumstances and everyone has to get mm. through it the best they can. And, uh, you know, I was happy to see David Martindale this morning talking about uh, the Celtic situation and about uh, Scott Brown and how much he knows that Scott Brown is going to go for everything, uh, starting with the Livingston game tomorrow. 
uh, and then the Scottish Cup uh, because it's his last hurrah as a Celtic player. So plenty of talking points. Um, and it's another week where Celtic still don't have a manager. Mm. It's, it's still not Eddie Howe. But John Kennedy says that's fine. Patience is required. You don't rush these things. What's your take on this week been? I do not think that patience uh, is a good thing in this regard because I have to look at the comments that I've read from Eddie Howe's representatives to say that uh, he's not going to come back until the summer at the earliest, they said. So uh, for me, how does Celtic wait that long? Mm. I, I think that the longer it goes, the more unlikely it would seem to, that it was going to happen. You'd be thinking if it's if it was almost if he's if he's already met Dermot Desmond, if, if the whole thing is close to uh, you know being uh, rubber stamped, then you know you would think that a lot of stuff would start to the process would start to to, to, to accelerate. But it seems to be going the other way, uh, and. Uh, you know, yeah, I think it would be be concerning for a lot of um, Celtic fans just now. But for John Kennedy, he has still very important matches. Obviously, Livingston and then the Rangers match next week is going to be absolutely huge. So I can understand John's point of view. He's got to focus on the football. But of as a course. football club, I think, yeah, Celtic seem to be going around in circles a little bit at the moment. Celtic's summertime priority is the buying and selling of players or the acquisition of and the losing of players. Therefore... Who's uh, taking charge of the shop here? Because with respect to John Kennedy, it's not his job to do. Uh, so you can't have a manager come in after it's all been done. Come on then, there's a lot of big football taking place this weekend. 0141-951-1025. What are you expecting this weekend? If you want to talk about the action on the field, you know, you get you get bonus points for that. Talking about the actual football on the pitch, it doesn't often catch on in this part of the world. So if you want to do that, bonus points for you. And if you want to get stuck in on some of today's news, today's talking points, please do that as well. Pick up the phone right now, 0141 951 1025 Five. It was press day for Rangers today Stephen Gerrard says uh, He disagrees with John Kennedy No sorry He agrees with John Kennedy I should say That there are inconsistencies In the Scottish FA's disciplinary process uh, John Kennedy was unhappy At the length of time It had taken for the Rangers five To get their punishment and appeal um, But Stephen Gerrard's pointing out That nothing came of Celtic's trip to Dubai I definitely agree with John In terms of the inconsistencies and to be honest with you, I'd probably be a bit frustrated as well uh, with him if you know good players were available to play against his team next week as well. So I sort of I feel his pain. But I'm not frustrated. I'm not frustrated over John's comments. He's obviously well within his rights to have his own opinion. You know, he's got his own press conference and questions that are fired at him that he has to deal with himself. Um, nothing's really come of the Dubai trip. The only thing that's come of the Dubai trip is that no one else is allowed to go on a training camp. So nothing's happened from that. We 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 obviously move on from that instance. Um, but obviously, rules were broken on that trip in terms of drinking uh, together. There's no social distance there on that situation. But look, the Celtic business is not really for me to talk about. My my worry and my concerns are Rangers, and we'll we'll look forward to that hearing, and then um, we'll deal with it as and when. But I definitely agree with John in terms of the inconsistency, especially when it comes down to punishment. I don't get the SFA. With regard to the Rangers matter, uh, I'll have to leave Dubai. It was months and months ago, and that you know Stephen has had his say on it. I'm trying to confine myself to the story as it exists today. I don't understand why it can take five weeks to organise a hearing. 
I don't understand why when Rangers appeal, which is their right, I don't understand why it takes another week for the SFA to give out a date and then that date comes after the next Old Firm game, which allows everyone to start hurling insults at each other. Uh, I just do not understand why the process has taken two Months. I do get where Hugh's coming from, Jim, in the sense that Dubai was months ago, and my goodness, we spoke about <laughs> it a, f- a fair few times mm. on the show. So I certainly do not want to debate Dubai between mm. now and eight o'clock back to back. However, that's clearly where some of Rangers' frustration, if you can call it that, feeling comes from. Clearly, the the fact that that they 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 have a perception that there are inconsistencies in the way. Things are being handled Rightly or wrongly But that, that, that is pretty clear Is it not? Listen we, we don't know All um, the rules and regulations Listen you can get, get back As you say Overall ground And debate You know Celtic at the time Says that they They didn't break any rules Because the rules changed The day after uh, You know And, and uh, listen it's, it's all about You know a legal process now I would think and that's that's a difficulty and, and I'm sure that that's part of the, the reason why the SFA also takes so long because it's not just uh, you know maybe what happens 20 years ago where you get a kind of two or three people sitting around a table and say right this is the punishment now there's legal advisors from both clubs and you know representatives and all these sort of things get involved so it's, I think it's a much more complicated issue Gordon than, than we would understand it yeah. to be and that's the reason why these things are taking longer but I do agree with you 100% it should never have taken this long and any punishment that was put in place should have been should have been done you know what I mean those players if no matter how many games it was should have missed the games and Rangers are getting the benefit at this moment in time of um, top players being available for the squad so yeah I mean there is definitely inconsistencies and I think both John Kennedy and Stephen Gerrard are 100% correct on that 01419511025 we are here until 8 o'clock taking uh, as many of your calls as we can you will notice slight changes to the show in light of today's sad news regarding Prince Philip the Duke of Edinburgh but for all intents and purposes Scottish football show is going on and uh, we will take your calls between now and 8 o'clock so let's speak to John who's in Bishop Briggs Hi John Alright guys How's it going Hi John uh, It's just a quick point Hugh was saying there he doesn't understand how it's took this long I think everybody with a brain can understand and can see how it's took this long because uh, when the breach happened that's where about the time James Tavernier's been injured so for him to suspend the players Rangers would have went obviously the rest of the part of the season uh, when, when they fall back cover uh, we only had uh, Born a Barisics and he's kind of injury prone, so it's kind of, doesn't he? It's not really hard to see, is it? It's kind of bias, and it's been kind of proven in past history as well. The bias to one team in this thing, uh, for the Jim Farry incident, obviously, to Hugh Dallas, Dougie Gate, and a lot of other things. Yeah, what's your point in that? Well, first of all, you're giving us a history lesson there. Um, let's confine ourselves to this story. Uh, you've made an accusation that you cannot prove. Um, with regard to the SFE and the timing of the hearings, etc., etc., all I am asking is, from a legislative point of view, how can it take five weeks in the first instance to have a hearing on this matter? How can it take five weeks? And then, Rangers having appealed a week ago, it takes a week to come up with a date for the appeal hearing, and that appeal hearing is a further 10 days away So for me The SFA have just got themselves Into a mess over this Jim This is all a big ploy To make sure that James Tavernier's fit For, for the game Yeah well, I don't think It'd be unbelievable timing If you could say to the players I'll tell you what You go out And uh, breach some rules 
just in case somebody gets injured and then that person gets injured he might be injured for a, a day a week a month two months who knows um, you know there's listen there's there's no conspiracy theories I understand football world and that's how you know people believe that there is um, you know agendas and that their club is harshly mm. treated another club is more favoured believe me I've been in football for a long long time and as we spoke a little bit Brian Rice saying that the small clubs yeah. don't get any benefits but in this part of the world most people tend to think that um, the other side of the the, the, the street um, gets the gets the benefits it, it's not the case listen it, it has dragged on mm. and as Hugh said why we do not know but it's not to allow James Tavernier time to get fit and ready to play I mean John like, like seriously with this stuff right so you, you've got this as proof that the system is stacked against Celtic presumably but on the other side of that debate there will be people on this phone on Twitter who say Celtic weren't punished for Dubai that just shows you that it's stacked in Celtic's favour surely, we, surely we've got to rise above this stuff how can Celtic be punished for Dubai but when the government sanctioned it? Well, they sanctioned the trip, but I'd imagine the counter-argument that lots of people have been putting forward and haven't really heard much publicly back from is where they sanctioned to sit around the pool together. A few people sitting in sun loungers. Well, Stephen Gerrard was sitting partying in his changing room when they said the league was won. And therein lies my point, Hugh Evans. Thanks to John for illustrating it perfectly yeah. for me. You can go around all day long. What about when they did that? And then rather than actually addressing that head on Your yeah. response is Oh well what about when they did that Yeah 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 uh, The SFA are known as The governing body of Scottish football Their governance With regard to this particular matter Has been useless uh, And it has led us to this situation now Where John and others will feel that The appeal hearing has been Deliberately timed To come after the Rangers-Celtic-Scottish Cup tie at Ibrooks. The SFA got us into this mess. They can't get us out of this mess because the, the date has been set in stone. But, I repeat, there's only one phrase you can use. How can it take yeah. this length I, of time? I think most people would, would kind of agree with that, Jim. Yeah. And this is not me disagreeing. I'm, I'm almost trying to... Trying to think of of the of the possible reason. I mean, John's got his, mm-hmm. which I don't think I would subscribe to. Well, there there will be a little bit more to it than than us laymen would imagine. Whether it yeah. is a case of trying to get all the lawyers in the room at one time, I I, I don't know. That there must be at least mm-hmm. something that. You can't just snap your fingers yeah, and no, happens but that's tomorrow. I'm saying it's a legal process. So therefore, if someone puts a case and then someone listens to that case, which took time, and then Rangers have decided to appeal, then they need the legal representatives to put their case forward, the reason why they're appealing. And again, that will, you know, there'll be there'll be you know papers or emails or whatever happens to be going towards the SFA. They're then lawyers will then have to look at it and so on and so forth. And then the various people that deal with it have to be available because. They don't just work for the SFA Sometimes there is legal counsel Sometimes there's sheriffs involved And various other people who You know Are working on a daily basis So There, there is A time frame that's not perfect You just can't sort something out the next day But We all think it can still be done a lot quicker And there's no doubt No doubt about that um, as far as the, the league was concerned It was already done and dusted So I don't think it had any impact on anything like that And also No one knew I mean Everyone thought that uh, both clubs would win their ties But they still had to do it And then how would you know what the draw was going to be So all of these things I said are, are, are uh, you know completely coincidental uh, Let's bring in Craig and see what his take is Hi Craig Hi uh, Gordon, hi panel no. um, Look, the fact is that 
that this is about the inconsistencies with the SFA. You know, who wants to focus on this issue, this issue, and ignore all else? But it's no, I, I did say that to be fair, though, Craig. That clearly um, Dubai is part of this. You know, whether yeah, we like it or not. Uh, but not just Dubai. You know, um, John Kennedy when he was giving his remarks, and, and just to be clear, even as an Rangers fan, I do not in any way defend what those five lads done. I was surprised that we decided to appeal it. I didn't expect us to. Um, so I'm not coming on here, you know, absolutely blinkered um, in def- my defence. But John Kennedy was referencing other um, issues as well. He referenced Aberdeen and the Aberdeen 8. Well, they were never punished. They got a suspended eight-game ban. Not one match of that was ever served because they didn't breach again before February, I think it was. Now, some people say, well, it was at the start, you know, the rules were a bit... You know, murky or whatever, mm. right? but they still knew they weren't supposed to be doing what they went out and done. Um, you know, go out for a few beers or whatever else it was. Um, you know, so that highlights the inconsistency. How oh, does does, does it though? Does it though, Craig? Or does it? Because you've you've sort of referenced part of it there. See, because the the goalposts are moving in this all the time. Now, w- w- you are suggesting that you know a, a breach is a breach, which which I do kind of get. But if you go back to that time. That the Aberdeen players did that You were allowed to go into bars Bars were open I think that the crime essentially If you can call it that Was that too many of them Were sitting at the one table From, from separate households So I take your point Yes that's a breach But that's Surely Because it was taking place At a time when you could Kind of do that is it, Does that make it minor Compared to One When you're in a complete lockdown And you can't do anything And that's Undeniable And you should totally know that And then someone goes and breaks those rules How can you compare those two? Well, because they, well, this is what the SFA should be doing. The problem is all season, we're sitting here now in April and we've had this all season with COVID. They've had plenty of time to get to grips with it. There has been no clear set piece of, of rules or anything like that in the book that says if you commit this kind of breach, it's that ban. If you commit that kind of breach, it's this ban. You know, it's not happened. And you'd have thought, say... You know, things like the Aberdeen And I accept, obviously, mitigating circumstances I still think that it seems to be anyway From the best I can gather The SFA have taken the stance That if it's a breach, you will get a ban You will serve at least, um, you know, a couple of game bans So if that is the case now, why wasn't it then? And all I'm saying is For them not to have anything at all Which states clearly what ban you'll get for what breaches or if it's but that, that's my point though how and when do you set that out Craig when you don't know what the rule will be in a month's time you don't know what the societal rule or restriction will be in a month's time how do you set it out because in football it's for the football authorities to take the initiative and the societal rules could change that's true and sometimes you've got to change with that but Football players are still in a bubble of football, which means there are still certain rules they would have to follow regardless. Yeah, the return to playing protocols or whatever it was called, yeah. So that's what they should be looking at and using. You know, we're in these situations because it's been so poorly handled across the board. You know, your last call talking about it's no conspiracy against Celtic. If it was, then all the Dubai players would have been banned. You know, uh, it's not. It's nonsense. It's no conspiracy against any team. It's just. Incompetence In my opinion For the SFA um, And as I say It's their responsibility To set these out Within The return to play rules And stuff like that mm-hmm. Regardless of what's happening In society They can't wait For what's happening In society To decide Whether somebody Should be punished For a breach or not that, See, Craig, know, Otherwise nobody would be Craig describes it As SFA's incompetence I've said The SFA's governance 
with regard to this matter had been useless. Now, if I were Ian Maxwell, chief executive of the SFA, and the, the media department came to me and said, listen, they're calling us incompetent, they're calling us uh, useless in terms of our governance. If I had a defence of my organisation, I'd be making it now. If people like me can stand here and say, how can it possibly take this long to get this matter settled? If they have anything that would help hmm. by way of mitigation here and tell us, oh, well, we had to wait because of A, B and C, now is the time to say it. But should they really, though? Should, should, a, should a governing body... And again, I don't want this to come across as if I think it's been handled well. Not the case at all. But should a governing body have to respond to, to criticism and, and, and answer themselves all the time? I, I think football's like that, though, Gordon. Every football's like that. Whether it's a manager, a player, you know, the, the, well, we've, mm. it's a public life. When, when you're scrutinised, you're scrutinised publicly. Everybody's got an opinion. Yeah. This is the reason why this phone is so successful, yeah. this show, for, for the last you know, several decades. No, but that, that's my point, right? So you know? if it's, I doubt it'll be Stephen Gerrard. If it's Stuart Robertson. Uh, and then he wants to go to the SFA and say I want to know what happened in that process um, And why is it different I, I would like to think there's a, a vehicle there Where he gets those answers But because somebody phones or show As powerful as I like to think it is Or you think that it's taken too long Is that really, is that really well, cause yeah, for you, Maxwell to say right? Don't worry everybody, I'll, I'll tell you exactly You now have um, the interim manager of Celtic And the manager of Rangers Talking about the SFA's inconsistencies And they're about to play each other Next weekend uh, And I do not like approaching these matches with that kind of ill feeling hanging in the air. Heaven knows there's enough ill feeling in the air uh, whenever the two of them meet without any additional ill feeling. Uh, so I just feel that an atmosphere has been created. Mm. If there was an explanation as to why it took eight weeks to bring this matter to a conclusion... I'd love to hear it Yeah Okay Craig Thank you very much 01419511025 And just a quick look at Twitter Right These, these tweets came in Within the space of 30 seconds Of each other And it kind of highlights How we might never really um, Progress here um, Mark says What about the Rangers players Drinking and sharing cars Did Gerard mention that Mikey says Ball and golly Went to a different country Surely that's worse And You know that, that Do you know yeah. what I mean That That yeah. Does that whilst, surprise you? <laughs> no, because I, no. I, I, I kind of get it Because that's where people are looking for consistency But I, I, I'm not sure how we manage to separate this Honourable honor, crusade for consistency And separate that from, from the kind of whataboutery stuff They no, seem uh, to be blending uh, what, in one a little bit Whataboutery is with us now mm. and forever But that does work both ways And yeah. it... Yeah, but Gordon, the thing is, it's like Hugh said. You know, we we understand certain situations, but if we're, mm. if we're only if if you try to narrow it down and put it onto this particular situation, with the the five guys were involved dealing with this, yeah. you know that it's, it's taking far mm. too long. But no one can deal with this. And also, we heard Craig there saying he 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 thinks you know the the players should be um, mm. you know punished in some sort of way. But other ones are always looking at yeah, but why did they not get punished? Rather than just look and say look. Was this a, you know should should this be dealt with? Was was this something that uh, deserved a uh, a suspension? And I think most people, I think even Rangers himself, um, admitted at the time. You know, remember at the start of all this when it was like, oh, do you know what? It's just great mm -hmm. to have football back. And it, mm -hmm. these are unprecedented times. That's what everyone used to say. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll just need to work together, and it's not going to be easy. But you know, we'll, we'll get through it, and we'll need to just show a level of understanding out the no. window within what I don't know. 
a day, maybe. <laughs> that, that you'll, there we have the incurable problem. But um, you can see why John Kennedy's thinking to himself, how can this be? Uh, and you can see why Stephen Gerrard is saying, yeah, but uh, it's a mess. And my only concern is that it's a mess that will take us up to uh, a week tomorrow and uh, a, a meeting of the two clubs. Speaking of meetings of clubs, I'm looking at those Premiership fixtures right in front of me, Hugh. We do have a a busy running coming up here. They call it the business end of the season for a reason. We're into the post-split fixtures. And although the, the ultimate prize, the one at the top, is is done, when you look across the rest of them, so much to play for this weekend. Yeah, I mean, as Jim highlighted earlier, Kilmarnock and Ross County is huge. Uh, I get the feeling, sorry, Tommy Wright, I'm about to say it, sorry. I get the feeling that there's a, a momentum uh, about Kilmarnock now and a goal-scoring ability that was not there. And the, the both the momentum and the goals have come following the signing of Kyle Lafferty. Mm-hmm. I think if Kilmarnock win at home against Ross County tomorrow, they will get themselves out of bother and uh, Ross County will be placed further in trouble. The Hamilton-Dundee United game is absolutely fascinating, uh, not only because of uh, what Brian Rice has had to say. Uh, It's the fight for survival now. It's great for us to stand here and talk about it and watch it. It's not so great if you're John Hughes, Tommy Wright, Brian Rice. And take Celtic Livy, Jim I know mm. Celtic Obviously the league title is over But you're now at the stage of Are you trying to impress a new manager? Mm. Uh, are you trying to Keep yourself in the team And hopefully go on a cup run And Livingston have got their own incentives as well Yeah I think uh, Listen if you play for Celtic You know you, you cannot write the season off You know Okay you know the, the, the league's done Rangers are now champions And you can't just, then just Kind of try and coast your way through The rest of the season um, the interesting thing is that they've got so many players there on loan or the suggestion that they might not be there next year. And it's about that level of commitment. The, the commitment might come in the old firm game next week because obviously that, that would be their target, uh, the, the, the Cup, the Scottish Cup. But in terms of the league, I'm a wee bit surprised he's not through the, 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 the likes of uh, Karamoka Dembele and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And one or two younger players... Just to see in the league matches just now Because ultimately, you know, what else have you got to lose? Okay, we will continue to take your calls throughout the show tonight But we also have our news team here With extra and extended news bulletins Reflecting on the sad news of the passing of Prince Philip The Duke of Edinburgh, aged 99 Let me cross over to Colette with the latest news and tributes Tributes are being paid to the Duke of Edinburgh Who's being remembered as a much-loved husband, father, grandfather and great-grandfather He's died at the age of 99 Respects have been paid by political leaders from across the UK The Commonwealth and rest of the world Flags are also flying at half-masts And parties in Scotland have suspended campaigning for the Holyrood election out of respect First Minister Nicola Sturgeon says she's saddened by the news. First and foremost, he was a husband, a father, a grandfather, a great-grandfather, and my thoughts are with all of those today who will be feeling a profound sense of loss and grief. Prince Philip's connection with Scotland began when he was enrolled at the pioneering Gordonston School in the 1930s, where there was an emphasis on fresh air and building self-reliance. He was called the Duke of Edinburgh, but it wasn't just a title. His connection with Scotland ran deep. 
I'm Brian Rutherford here at Edinburgh Castle. It's where the British Army have been delivering huge guns in preparation to pay respects. There's a 41-gun salute being fired from Edinburgh Castle tomorrow. That's the Lord Provost of Edinburgh, Frank Ross. He took the name of our capital across the world. He put Edinburgh on the map. Prince Philip gave a speech here in the capital more than 70 years ago when he received the freedom of Edinburgh. Your hospitality to myself and to thousands of other servicemen who managed to get here for a few hours' relaxation during the war. I know we were a dreadful new and frequently misbehave. Floral tributes are laid at the castle and flags fly at half-mast. The Duke saw himself as the moderniser of the British monarchy, orchestrating the first royal walkabout. He was also notorious for sometimes saying the wrong thing. His friend Martin Palmer says it wasn't malicious. Some of the most famous gaffes, this was probably the thousandth person he was shaking hands with that week. He could see that they were stuck and they didn't quite know what to say next and he was trying to jolly them along. But the Duke of Edinburgh Award will perhaps be Prince Philip's lasting legacy. He spoke modestly about it. In the early days I hardly dared promote the scheme very actively. It was so new and untried and today with an accumulative total of nearly 350,000 awards gained I think it might be safe to say that the scheme hasn't been a complete failure. And we've been speaking to Rose from Glasgow who remembers seeing the Duke when her nephew received his award. I know he did a lot of work for, for the award scheme and it's helped a lot of people, a lot of boys keep out of mischief as well over the years so I think that's probably what a, an achievement I would remember him for. And Prince Harry and Meghan have just paid tribute saying he'll be greatly missed. They've dedicated their foundation's website with a message reading in loving memory, thank you for your service. No details have been announced yet for the Duke's funeral. Plans will of course be affected by the pandemic. Books of condolence will be opened online and there will be silences held before the kickoff of SBFL games tomorrow. We'll have another update at seven, but for now, that's the latest. I'm Colette McGonagall. Thank you to Colette in our newsroom. We will cross over there again at seven o'clock for all the latest news and tributes reflecting on today's sad news. The sad passing of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, who sadly passed away aged 99. We are here trying um, to take your calls as as normal as we can until eight o'clock. 01419511025. Uh, and with that in mind, let's bring in Laurie, who's in Denison. Hi, Laurie. Hey, panel. Good evening. Hello. I have phoned this programme for the best part of two decades, as you will know, and I've never attempted to ingratiate myself with us uh, for, for, for the, the purpose of court and popularity. I've, I've told it as it is, and I'll, I'll continue to do this tonight because uh, there has been a loving uh, of my fellow Celtic supporters regarding Eddie Howe, and I'll be honest with you, I'm really at my failure to see why. Uh, Gordon, if you'd extend me uh, a couple of minutes to outline my uh, my reasons, and then I'll invite uh, Jim and Hugh to respond. Thank you. Uh, anyhow, his last five seasons before he, he left Bournemouth, chronologically, did not for me make impressive reading. Uh, finished respectively in five consecutive uh, years, 16th, 9th, 12th, 14th and 18th, which resulted in relegation. And I hear uh, there's a well-trodden cliche that uh, he's a promising young manager. Uh, I don't see that, and I don't think those results reflect that either. Uh, also, uh, there's a, a widespread uh, misconception and urban myth that he's managed money on a shoestring budget. That's not so. 
Under his, uh, his, uh, uh, his term in office for the five years, Bournemouth were fined under the financial fair play regulations for spending more money than what they could afford. Uh, also, he squandered an awful lot of money on players like Jordan Ibe, £15 million pounds, uh, under his watch. He scored three goals in four seasons. Dominic Solanke uh, signed him in 2019, £19 million pounds between Liverpool and Bournemouth. He scored four goals in 63 appearances. Uh, and finally, what I would say is, he's hailed as a proponent of, quote, expansive football. Now, I remember Tony Mowbray was also uh, hailed as a proponent of expansive football. To me, expansive football means it's a guy who is looking uh, to produce a style of play he's in the eye, aesthetically pleasing, uh, to kind of steal a, a cliche. Uh, but when it comes to physicality, uh, they're lacking. The panel starts. I could not dispute a single word that you've said, Laurie. And uh, to that... Uh, Catalogue uh, I would also add That he has never Been involved In a European tie As a manager Or indeed As a player And before anyone Jumps in and says Steven Gerrard Had never been involved In a European tie As a manager I think Steven Gerrard Who carried Liverpool On his shoulders Throughout European matches For year after year uh, Culminating In uh, uh, Istanbul And all that took place Against AC Milan Stephen Gerrard knew Europe from A to Z. Uh, I cannot question what you say. His highest ever league position, Eddie Howe, was ninth, as you say. Yeah, but hold on. Doing that with Bournemouth is like... You, know, you, you can't hold that against them because you don't think nine is a particularly impressive portion of the table. It is if you're Bournemouth. Yeah, it's an incredibly I, high position if you're I, Bournemouth. I'm not disputing that either, but I think Eddie Howe is portrayed... And is presented to uh, people as almost the special one, uh, and I think he has a, a, a way to go before he gets that title. Well, okay, I, I just think that take us out of it then, right? Because rather rather than making out as if it's only people up here, where do, so everyone who's got high reputation, uh, a high opinion of him in England, they're all wrong. Also, I didn't say they were wrong. Well, I'm simply saying that he's certainly he, suggesting it. He, he, for me, he has never struck me, and you know, I am always associated with the word Hollywood. He's never struck me as being yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood in the too. sense that Martin O'Neill or Brendan Rogers was. Okay, uh, fair enough then. So if that's the case, if it's such a, who should Celtic have got? Who should they have gone for? I think that who's Celtic, a much better bet than Eddie Howe. Well, they're where. But do we know if Celtic contacted them? No, I'm saying you can literally throw anything at me right now. Who do you think Celtic realistically could have got? That's much better than Eddie Howe. I'm just curious. I'm not. I'm not saying there isn't one. The the job the the, the gentleman from America, Marsh, never uh, going to take it. But how do you know? Because he's in he's, he's in line to get a, a host of Bundesliga jobs. Did Celtic approach him? Did Celtic ask? If you don't ask, you don't get. Right. Okay. Well, if you well they didn't ask Pep Guardiola either. They're in danger of getting a little bit ridiculous. Okay, if he's got if he's if he's got his pick of Bundesliga jobs and he's very much ingrained in that. That level of football in that league He ain't coming to Celtic Well let's confine ourselves then to Eddie Eddie for me uh, If he takes the job Has a big job on his hands And for me He would have to But any manager would Yeah of course But 
we're only talking about Eddie Howe here. If he takes the job, and it, it's now a mighty big if, if his representatives are to be believed. I'm simply siding with Laurie and Deniston here insofar as I don't think that Celtic are getting a man who will automatically hmm. reset the dial. Oh, you never get that though. That's hmm. impossible. Every, well, every appointment's a risk, isn't it? Of course. But I'm giving you my view. Hmm. Yeah, well, yeah. I don't, I'm I don't think it. So yeah. we're both here for. Yeah, I, I don't think that Eddie Howe comes up here automatically as the guy who's going to reset the dial, and Celtic will go number one, and Rangers will go back to being number two. I don't think anyone's saying it's automatic, though. So I'm not sure what what type of defence that is, Laurie. If you are saying then he's so awful, and by the way, this is going to sound like I'm. Um, sticking up for my uncle Eddie here I'm, I'm not actually too fussed But you and Hugh are on the same uh, wavelength So it seems the obvious thing to do to, to try and pick holes in what you're saying Who should Celtic have got If this guy is It's all a love in And he's not a great manager And he spends poorly Who who, who doesn't do those things and, and who should have been The man approached Well in my estimation Gordon I, They should appoint Even if it means waiting Until the conclusion Of the Euro Championships I, Stevie Clark. Uh, the, only, the only thing I, I will concede is I do not know, frankly, that a lot of Celtic supporters I would welcome uh, or be receptive to his style of football because certainly it's a bit more cautious. But Stevie Clark mm. would present a serious challenge to Stephen Gerrard. I don't to think be you, Eddie Howe. To be to be fair, uh, Laurie, having agreed with you all the way down the line, I'm not sure the Celtic supporters um, would buy in. To Stevie Clark uh, And the, the way he tends to Play his football uh, Again I think Celtic have to be conscious of Domestic and European football They, they Wasted their time in Europe Even under Brendan Rodgers uh, Because of this 10 that they went after And it eventually came back and haunted them I'm not sure the Celtic supporters would buy in to Steve Clark National hero though he may be For having taken this to Euro 2020 I'm not sure the majority of Celtic supporters Buy into him either I, I think though you know, we, we seem to throw labels on managers <laughs> On the jobs they had to do At various clubs That doesn't mean you're that manager Written in stone forever If you've got the resources The players You know the ability to, to, to form a football club Then you'll do so with what you, the resources you have But if um you know, Steve Clark, for instance, was at Kilmarnock. You can't play free-flowing textbook football, if you want to call it that, pleasing that all the time. He had a job to mm. do, and he'd done an unbelievable job. Similar with Scotland, to a certain extent, we've got certain players, you know, and, and he, he's managed to find a bit of a formula to make us difficult to beat. The, and critics, so on and so the critics do believe, though, that actually with the group of players Scotland have, we could possibly be a bit more expansive. Yeah, if, if the first thing to do was to get a result yep. and get to a tournament, which he managed to do, then you might then start to add. And again, as Laurie saying there about Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe's got a reputation of being a stylist, you know, a manager who's got a certain style about him. Other managers, you know, don't have these, uh, you know, labels on them, and I just think it's it's, it's too one dimensional for me. And for me, the biggest thing for Celtic will be: is it a long term manager you're looking for? Is it a project? Is it something you're looking to develop over the next two, three, four years, or is it someone you want to go in and make an impact? If it's a short term fix, I think there could be a number of managers out there like a Martin O'Neill again for one year, get in. Try and stop Rangers winning it, whatever happens to you. But is that not impossible just because of where Celtic are at with personnel? You know, had all the star players signed up and they're all going to be there 
fine, but but no. how can any, what can you do in one year with a team that's going to lose yeah, Edward no, Brown? No, well, that's the thing. That's why you would normally go for an experienced manager in that type of situation. If it, if that is your remit, if that is the one thing that Celtic are looking for, let's let's try and stop this straight away. But if you're looking for a project, I would look at maybe a younger manager who does have, if you want to call it, uh, a, a little bit more time, and you know, maybe as Hugh says, learns. Learns how to play in Europe Learns how to deal As Stephen Gerrard's done Stephen Gerrard's first couple of years Was great in Europe But not great domestically This year he's continued The success in Europe But he's managed to win Domestically as well So that takes time So Whoever Celtic appoint to me It just depends on mm. Exactly the road They want to go down Short term fix Or long term development Let's bring in Mark In Rockhill What's your take on all this Mark? Yeah, pretty much Jim kind of sums it up a wee bit at the same time, but say, um, I think Eddie Howe would be the right guy for the job. Absolutely, I do. Um, he's young and he's ready to go, and if he's tells you the England manager, he can't be a dump one. It's not that, and that's all you're looking for. Like somebody just puts, just get the ball playing, just get the ball playing again. I mean, Hugh and Laurie are teaming up, they're telling you that he's. You know, not actually done that well at Bournemouth, and it's been overstated and all the rest of it. Do you disagree with it's that? Not with Celtic, you're Bournemouth. It's not that if you don't get a guy the opportunity, you're never going to know. And you can see what you want with Tony Mowbray, just a disaster. But I was there as well, so um, I think I've got a feeling that um, Eddie Howe will be the, be the guy. I feel like the majority of Celtic fans do It's always difficult to tell Based on the phone lines I feel like the majority are happy Hugh Laurie not so much You're in his camp I, I don't know how Celtic can write off the, the, the summertime If Eddie Howe's representatives are saying uh, He's not coming back until the end of the summer At the earliest We don't have a definitive word On when Eddie Howe is going to come back into football yet Far less whether he's going to go to Celtic or not I don't I, I, see how Celtic can write off the summertime I, I do get that But is that not a separate point? Right now we, we were kind of stripping it back to His managerial credentials Would he be a good shout? You're saying no Laurie's saying no We're not talking about the, the timing of it We're talking about him as, as a manager I, I am saying I am sceptical Where Eddie Howe is concerned I'm not saying he will flop I'm not saying it'll be a wild success I have never understood why and almost from the moment when uh, Neil Lennon left the job, it was Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe. And I, I'm not quite sure why. Is it not because people think that's the best that they could get? And if your answer to that is no, I then asked you, who else could they get that's better? And Jesse Marsh, which seems unrealistic, was the only name that you could mention. Well, again, I'll, I'll, I'll take the, the, uh, the attitude that Celtic, a club of that size, must surely have... Given that they've got one chief executive there And another one coming in Between the two of them uh, They must have a list of potential candidates I don't mean to to do us down Far from it I, I couldn't speak highly enough of, of the game up here But is that not the level we're at? If you have been an English Premier League manager established it, is, is that not verging on the ceiling for us? Financially Yeah they, they, are, well. they are waiting sometimes on another job coming in I mean as, as I've said before You know you get you you can get a risk anywhere. Arteta went into uh, Arsenal with no experience, and you know, listen, there's a lot of mixed opinions of him at this moment in time. But you can certainly see he's getting a little bit more leeway than perhaps one or two other people might have got if they mm. a similar mm. sort of forum. But because he, he, he had this, I mean, people had this idealistic uh, image of him playing this style of football. 
But it's not so far. It hasn't clicked. But they maybe see that as a longer term project. Mm. Eddie Howe, I think, is a similar sort of vein. But you could have, as I've mentioned before on the program, like Daniel Farker, who's at uh, Norwich, who get relegated, but got almost guaranteed with them up, play some great football. Really? Yep. You know, but w- would someone say him? Um, Eddie's. Mm. I think if you look at, I mean, I know Laurie mentioned the last over five years. Oh yeah, and by the way, he was right on that. Some of the yeah. recruitment latterly was terrible. Yeah, no but keeping Bournemouth it. in the Premier League for five years, uh, <laughs> relatively comfortably, was superb. And also the record before that, taking him up the divisions the first time he was there as well, mm. it was sensational. That, so there are a- elements where he, I think you can listen. It depends how you want to paint that picture, but I think that uh, the, mm. he he just looked at the negative side rather than the positive the, side. That that was kind of my point. If Hugh or Laurie or anyone wants to. Suggest that Eddie Howe's mm. a, a, a poor choice for the Celtic manager. That is fine, but by mm. by saying that, you surely must have a list of of numerous guys who would be better for you to then judge that he would be poor. Otherwise, are you not just looking in the wrong market? Uh, listen, you could come up here and prove me very wrong. I, I'm using the word sceptical. I am sceptical about them. And next season is. And I, I know, but that's what I'm trying to get to the the root of. Is are there appointments out there that would make you not sceptical? Well, obviously. You mentioned the the fact that there are people out there who would not leave me sceptical, but they cost a fortune. And, and that's Scott, my point then. And we need Scottish realism. football doesn't uh, have the money. Um, I just think that, that next season is crucial because the winner of uh, the league goes straight into the group stages of the Champions League uh, with all the money that brings. And Celtic, uh, for some years, have enjoyed a... Financial superiority over Rangers But that can be changing very very quickly Champions League money is important isn't it Yeah So uh, I'm sorry for whoever takes the Celtic job next season But they're going to have to bring in many players Because many are going out And they will not get time and sympathy Because there'll be an onus on the club To finish top And qualify for that Champions League money And if you don't do it then your problems get worse. Uh, Mark, what are you thinking? Next couple of weeks, Livingston at home tomorrow in the Premiership. There's a, a small cup game coming up around the corner as well. Celtic job is the best job in the world, as far as I'm concerned. So we're not going to get what we get. Not going to get Pep Guardiola. We're not going to get nothing like that. But we're getting the right guy for the right job. And let's get the players out in the park, and the players will do the talking. That, that's not, let's stop all the nonsense Political stuff Let's stop all the nonsense Well, well, Mark, Mark spending, fr- spending Friday nights With Hugh Keevans Is the best job in the world <laughs> Believe listen, me You know Mark If you have a wee think about it It's not the best job in the world I mean you know, If you're at Barcelona Real Madrid uh, you know, he's, he's ending his mind But yeah, yeah I get that right yeah. Okay uh, let's, let's leave it there 01419511025 We'll bring in Brian And see what he's got for us Hi Brian How's it going guys you okay? Good all thanks right. What's on your mind tonight? Um, I just want to speak to the guys about. I mean, this Celtic job that's coming up. I mean, the manager's job. I mean, it's got to be um, one of the biggest years for Celtic. Maybe in the last twenty twenty five years. I think it's a massive, massive rebuild. And I mean, they're looking at guys like Eddie Howe and that. Who, in my opinion, hasn't done much in the game. I mean, he's he's got Bournemouth promoted and kept him up for a few seasons. I mean, to me, Celtic need to be looking at a manager who's a winner. I mean, not not somebody that's avoiding relegation every year. I mean, there's top managers sitting there, they're now twiddling their thumbs. I didn't understand why like Celtic are going in. Uh, like, like you said, if you don't ask, you don't get. I mean, you've got Harry Redknapp and you've got Arsene Wenger sitting there, both out of a job. I mean, why is Celtic not trying to get somebody like this to help rebuild the squad and rebuild what Celtic are? I mean, 
Celtic haven't been in the Champions League now for a good few years. I've not been competing in Europe for a good few years. Celtic need to get back to their best when they like, like they were under Martin O'Neill, like they were under Gordon Strang. I mean, to my opinion, they should be looking at an older manager to come in and sort them for a couple of years rather than looking at your Eddie Howes and all the rest of these kind of younger managers that are looking at who have not done much in the game, to be honest. Harry Redknapp, 74 years of age, Hugh, which I, yeah. would not, I would not hold that against him, not in your company. No, no. Um, I mean, that, I, I get the point that it doesn't have to be a young guy who's going to be around forever, but that, that would be a surprise, would it not? Oh, totally. I mean, Harry's a TV celebrity now. Harry does TV adverts. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's what he is now. Uh, he's out the loop so far as um, football management is concerned. Um, and Arsene Wenger, uh, you know, again, age has got nothing to do with it. However, he's well out the, the managerial loop. At the same time And uh, you know He's not going to come to Scotland I mean he's fi- Is he not still FIFA's What is it Chief yeah. of Global Football yeah. Development yeah. And this, this yeah. is the point I'm tr- The last thing I ever want to do Because I like to think We always stick up for it Is, is put Scottish football down I would hate to do that The Celtic job is big It's massive Big club Big history All the rest of it Is, is Arsene Wenger Going to go from FIFA's Chief of Global Football Development mm-hmm. To Dingwall away on a Wednesday night And no. I know that might sound disrespectful It's not really the way I mean it But I'm trying to be dramatic to emphasise oh, the point I, I think I think there's someone like Brian Is, is really is similar to what maybe Hugh said earlier on Is, is that ask the question And I think that if If someone thought that it's worth a phone call Or you probably wouldn't phone him directly so I've got agents now So you'd probably Either an agent would contact you Or you would contact the agent Just to suss people out and How I'm many sure, clubs do you think have I, tried him Since I'm not, he left I'm Arsenal. not just necessarily talking about Arsene Wenger I'm talking about people of that you know that that kind of level. So you you probably been certainly I'm sure I've done that. I'm sure they've sussed out a number of people and and just had a, a polite no thanks and then they just move on. But I I don't think Eddie Howe will be the only show in town. I think that there will be more options for Celtic. I think they have to have more options because they can't put all their eggs in, in the one basket. But um, obviously that's the one that the media have attached themselves to. Um, but I'm sure there'll, there'll be another two or three possibilities. Um, that um, they have to consider And John Kennedy Is probably one, one of them um, Brian What did, Is there anyone in the sort of That mid-range And again I'm not meaning to be ageist at all I just wonder if guys like Harry, Harry Redknapp Arsene Wenger Are probably done with that Type of, of football management At their Advanced years But Eddie Howe's almost I think too young for you Or too inexperienced Is, is, is there a middle ground here? Uh, I don't know if there are guys Because I, I seen a quote uh, On the internet A couple of weeks ago Saying Harry Redknapp Would be ecstatic If he got asked about The Celtic job So I don't know if uh, I mean like, like you were saying You need to ask the question To these kind of managers uh, Do you know what I mean I mean They've been out of work um, I mean some of them Would probably relish A chance to get back in it I mean You see the age of Roy Hodgson And that And he's still managing Down in the Premier League So I don't see Any reason why Some of these other managers I mean You need to remember I mean Celtic's a massive Massive club This is the first British team To win the European Cup do you know what I mean? Celtic's not just another a dead club fighting relegation down in England. This is an institution of football we're talking about here. Celtic really need a top manager in for this massive rebuild. And I don't think guys like Eddie Howard the answer, if you ask me, to be honest. I find the comparison's interesting, Hugh, because what Harry Redknapp has is, is, is years, clearly. So that, that might, you know, you think he's racked up a lot. And um, what was the phrase Brian used? You know, he, Eddie Howe's not won anything. We should, we should go for, for Harry Redknapp. Off the top of my head In a, in a managerial in a, in a managerial career That must have spanned 35-40 years yeah. what's, what's Harry Redknapp won Are you right Maybe a cup here or there But across 40 years Yeah It's the, the size of uh, Harry Redknapp's personality 
that that's mm-hmm. the the issue here. Harry's a song and dance man. He's terrific in the jungle. Sandra's jam roly poly. Oh it's it's all there. Things I never thought I would hear on this show. Wonderful. Uh, and I've interviewed uh, Harry. He's an absolute gentleman. However, he's way out the loop now. Uh, you know, he, he's he's good with ex pros making programs about going abroad to play Germany yeah, I, I, or this I, I, or that. But I, I, not Harry. this. I worked with Harry at Portsmouth. Yeah. He came in as the director of football when I was his assistant manager, and uh, you know his effervescent is 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 he, he, you know he, he, he can you know he's he's brilliant with the media. He's great with the players. He's got that personality, uh, and, and he has been a successful manager, albeit whether you know it resulted in trophies and stuff like that is, is another matter. But he's certainly uh, anybody that worked with him. You know, always enjoyed it. I think he's one of those what those managers that players enjoy working with. He tries to, uh, you know, give them a lot of freedom, and um, you know, I think he's, as I said, he's helped develop an awful lot of top players. So I, I don't, I don't have any issue with someone like Harry Redknapp being mentioned. But again, as I said, to you, I think you've got to look at it. What are Celtic looking for? Are they looking for? Because that would be a short term. It could be somebody mm. in the background, like a like a director of football yeah. type role. But just think, see when, I, I would suggest someone a bit younger than that. See when we put the, I, I got where Brian was coming mm. from in the sense of the rebuild. But uh-huh. Brian said that this season coming mm. was what you know one of the biggest seasons mm. for Celtic because of that rebuild. No, last se- th- this season that we're in was one of the biggest seasons for Celtic. Yeah. Surely, if if there was ever a time where you don't need to look for that short term fix, surely it's now. Yeah, when when everything's kind of you know your domestic dominance is gone, everything's been stripped back. The chief exec is going, the captain's leaving. You're looking for a new manager. If ever there was a time where you did not need a short fix, short term fix, surely it's now. Yeah, I, I mean I, I'm looking at Dermot Desmond here and Peter Lawwell. Can't bring Dominic Mackay into this because he's not yet in the building. However, Dermot Desmond, who has admitted, and I use his quote without qualification, that there have been. Serious mistakes made this season Dermot Desmond and Peter Lawwell Must have known from a long way out That this was going to end badly And They must have As Jim said They must have More than one name On their list uh, To become the club's new manager They've known for weeks And weeks And weeks That this was going Pear-shaped Mm. But it's very rare you've got a long term project, I have to be honest with you in football. Two scenes, mm. maybe max. Max. That's not long term, but that's about as much as you would probably get. Uh thank you very much to Brian. O one four one nine five one one oh two five in the phones. Uh we are on Twitter at Clyde SSB. Now it is that time of the night. As usual, Beat the Pundit is um, coming up next. If you want to play Beat the Pundit, it's the usual number, O one four one nine five one. 1025 You play against either Hugh Keevans or Jim Duffy And uh, you try and win yourself A signed ball But before then We do have Colette From the news team Standing by With the latest news And tributes After the sad passing today Of Prince Philip The Duke of Edinburgh Aged 99 Husband Father Grandfather Campaigner And moderniser Tonight We're remembering the life Of the Duke of Edinburgh The Queen's beloved husband And someone who helped Steer the royal family And the monarchy He has quite simply Been my strength and stay All these years I think that the main lesson That we've learnt Is that tolerance Is the one essential ingredient Of any happy marriage The more you know about him And his life I think the more impressed and the more proud I become.
Prince Philip died this morning at Windsor Castle at the age of 99. He'd recently spent four weeks in hospital for an infection and underwent a successful heart procedure. Philip was called the Duke of Edinburgh, but it wasn't just a title. Born a Prince of Greece, his family was exiled and he fled to Paris before being sent away to school here. Liam Ross takes up the story. Well, the royal connection here stems back to the 1930s. Earlier this afternoon, I spoke to Gordonston principal Lisa Kerr. Gordonston was immensely important to Prince Philip. He was a, a pupil who demonstrated at school what he became as a man. Charismatic, he was well-liked, and his headmaster described him as a natural leader. Now, the school ethos here has service at its core. The framework for the Duke of Edinburgh Award was also adapted from principles put forward by the founder of Gordonston. The scheme is undoubtedly part of the legacy of the 99-year-old's life. Tomorrow at midday, a 41-gun salute will be held at Edinburgh Castle. Lord Provost Frank Ross says the Prince had a huge attachment to the city, which gave him his title. Even after his retiral from official royal duties, he remained patron of over 30 Edinburgh-based uh, charities uh, and, and associations. A, a huge range uh, of commitment uh, to the city. Union flags are flying at half-mast on Scottish government buildings and books of condolence opened online. And parties here have now suspended campaigning for the Holyrood election out of respect. First Minister Nicola Sturgeon has been reflecting on times where she met Prince Philip. He was a very thoughtful man, an exceptionally interesting man to talk to. He was a bookworm, uh, very well read. I love reading as well, so we would always talk about the books we were reading at the time. And former First Minister Jack McConnell has been telling us of his fond memories. I'll also enjoy remembering those private moments when we were honoured to be their guests and enjoyed the fun and the laughter of his, his more relaxed personality in private, which was always a joy to be around and helped make guests feel at ease and I'm sure made his whole family feel very loved. Discussions are now taking place around what the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral will look like. Both the government and royal residents are urging the public to follow COVID restrictions and not gather to lay flowers. We'll have updates throughout the evening. But for now, that's the latest. I'm Colette McGonagall. Hugh Evans and Jim Duffy joining me, Gordon Duncan, on tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We did say uh, the show would be a little bit different tonight as to reflect some of the programming you've heard throughout the day on Clyde One after the sad passing of Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. But we're still here, we're still talking football and if you want to get in touch, we would love to have you. 01419511025 to do so or Twitter at Clyde SSB. There's a lot of good football to look forward to uh, this weekend. And I think we'll start by playing this where we had a bit of friendly competition on a Friday night. Beat the pundit with the Scottish Sun. For the best football news and opinion online, the Scottish slash football. Okay, beat the pundit time. Hugh and Jim are both standing by. They can't take their eyes off the Masters, though. So I might have to turn that off, turn the golf off in the background because you two need to concentrate on uh, beat the pundit. You'll have heard the big news this week. Halliday's unbeaten record Oh gone. listen I don't think you should Discuss this matter Why? The, the, the attempts At mental arithmetic From you and Halliday Goodness gracious Well I just I felt as if <laughs> I think the question Should have been a bit more Black and white I think Because Correct. you know Attendances I never know There might be 10 seats Ripped out for 
maintenance purposes or something. I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I didn't like the question and it threw me off. That's I'm, my I'm defense. I'm still not entirely to. sure that Andy Halliday lost. Did anybody ever exactly? Do them? There we go. So you're slagging me for being able to figure it for not being able to figure it out. You're but, not sure either. I, I was sitting in the kitchen with no pen and paper. Yeah, yeah. Jim. So it was the, the it was the pick. combined uh, capacity of Hamden and Murrayfield, right. and basically. It was Andy and the contestant One of them won it by 10 10 right, seats right, right. And uh, it sort of scrambled my mind for a few minutes Anyway It'll be much more straightforward tonight Because Alan in Springburn Is just going to beat Hugh or Jim yeah. Without a tiebreaker Is to that a, right Alan? To a pulp mm-hmm. Of course hey, Of course exactly That's what I like to hear Now we'll toss the coin and see Which victim we're serving you tonight If it's heads it will be Hugh Keevans And if it's tails it will be Jim Duffy and it is heads as well It's Hugh Keevans Up against Alan In Springburn So uh, Let me give Hugh Some Clyde 2 To listen to Just so that he doesn't know What you're saying to it Alan 30 yeah. seconds Going on this clock The only thing I ever tell everyone That plays If you don't know Pass quickly And move on Okay Yeah Let's get stuck in 30 seconds Starting now Which Rangers player Is tied with James Tavernier On 11 league goals Morelos What's the name of Peter Head's home ground Pass. Who was the Celtic captain in the 2003 UEFA Cup final? Uh, no one. Which English side does Billy Gilmore play for? Chelsea. Who is the Scotland national men's team's most capped player? Pass. Which side did Gary O'Connor join after his first Hibs spell? Locomotive Moscow. Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Blue Brazil? Uh, cow the beef Alright oh, let's bring Hugh Keevans back Hugh can you hear us? I can Good same set of questions to you 30 seconds on the clock And your time starts now Which other Rangers player is tied with James Tavernier On 11 league goals? Um, Morelos What is the name of Peter Head's home ground? Oh pass Who was the Celtic captain in the 2003 UEFA Cup final? Paul Lambert Which English side does Billy Gilmore play for? Chelsea Who is the Scotland national men's team's most capped player? Pass Which side did Gary O'Connor join after his first Hibs spell? Dynamo Locomotive Which Scottish side are nicknamed the Blue Brazil? Cowden Beef Okay, okay Alan, what do you think of the competition? Ah, thank you, it's maybe done Let's find out Which Rangers player is tied with James Tavernier on 11? It's league goals, it's Morelos, you both got it Peter Head play at Jim Duffy Balmore Balmore, Ah. none of you got it The Celtic captain in the 2003 UEFA Cup final was... Paul Lambert So Hugh got it Alan thought it was Neil Lennon um, So Hugh is up by one You both knew Billy Gilmore Did you mishear this next question? I'm amazed you, Scott, the, the Scotland Kenny most capped player Kenny Dalglish oh, I, I, no, Read the question out as you... Who is the Scotland national men's team's most capped player? Oh, I was thinking of Stevie Clark's squad and ah, who, See Kenny Dalglish Which side did Gary O'Connor join after his first loan spell I, I think even the most generous Sheard's inquiry wouldn't give you that one It was Locomotive Moscow ah. you, just, you just plucked a couple of random names Associated with Russian football teams So that was an equaliser yeah. for Alan And you both knew that the Scottish team Who's nicknamed the Blue Brazil Is Cowden Beef And what do you know We have gone to a tiebreaker what is it, What's that old phrase about um, Lightning striking twice About Glasgow buses yeah, How's your mental arithmetic Oh, Yeah I'll get my calculator ready For this one <laughs> Right Alan here's the deal I'm going to ask the question I'll get Hugh to write his answer down And I'll then invite you To give me your attempt Are you ready Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay I'm going to add a bit of tension here <laughs> like that. How many competitive goals did Henrik Larsson score for Celtic? Very simple question. Hugh, write it down. Show me the answer quickly. 
Many competitive goals did Henrik Larsson score. Okay, Alan, what would you go for? 235. Okay, Alan's gone 235. Hugh Evans has gone 140. Even I can do this arithmetic. It's 242, which oh. means Alan and Springburn closest by a mile, and the same ball is on its way. Well done to you. Well done, Alan. Oh, thanks very much for that Good man, that was Alan Delighted as you can hear With his signed ball 242 <laughs> yeah, That was close I had 240 doing Did you? Oh yeah Oh, you've done the guy a disservice know, You've done him a disservice I think I, I just wanted one Somebody mentioned it one time And I, I thought it was in I was worried that Alan Was about to get it right on the nose there I thought yeah. um, But he was he was close enough To win the signed ball There we go Brilliant stuff oh, Sorry one, Henrik 141951 <laughs> Let's bring in And by the way Arguably the most explosive clip we've ever played on Super Scoreboard was Brian Rice on yeah. Saturday. You would agree with that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. We've got the follow-up tonight. What? He's he's elaborated. He's been talking again about the. I'm not saying it's as explosive, but I'm just saying we've got the follow-up. He's given us the latest update on that topic. So I'll bring you it soon. Let's speak to Ross in the South Side first. Hi, Ross. Hi there, guys. How you doing? Um, hi, Hugh. Hi, Jim. Hi, Gordon. Hello. Hi, Ross. Um, I was on last Friday and I spoke about Eddie Howe and I gave my opinion on why I think Eddie was the right guy for the job. Listen to Laurie earlier and I just think that we need to be realistic here. Celtic have got a budget and I think Eddie Howe is the maximum we can get. I don't think we can get a world-class manager. I don't think we can go to the likes of a top-class manager and bring them into Celtic. I think we need to be realistic and I, I, I do think that Eddie Howe is... The, the, I think he's the top end That we can go I don't think we can can go any higher Than Eddie Howe At this stage Just now mm. um, I've got a second point But if the guys Let's well, yeah, do that one first you. Um, I mean you obviously disagree I think we've established that earlier But do, uh, I think essentially What Ross is saying that Do we need to accept that Our clubs aren't getting a manager That ticks every single box Of course Now If there is a school of thought Which says Eddie Howe is the man I think then that does seem to be the school of thought. Yeah, but I am simply not buying into that school of thought. I I am sceptical about whether he can come up here and do all that the Celtic supporters believe he can. And my other point would be, uh, and I accept Ross's uh, analysis that there's a a list of realistic mm-hmm. candidates. Is the le- realistic list of candidates on Peter Lawwell's desk one name long? Well, I mean, reportedly not, but it seems to be he's, he's the favourite. He's, he's the top choice. Suppose, Jim. I mean, you've got obvious comparisons. It's, it's dead easy in this city because you just look at the one other team. And Steven Gerrard has the character. He has the aura, an incredible playing career, but he had never been a manager before. Yeah. So that's the box that he leaves unticked mm-hmm. when you're appointing him. Yeah. So you maybe go to Eddie Howe. Yep, good coach, good style of play, um, can improve the players. And then he's the, the mm-hmm. one that he maybe leaves unticked is has never managed a big whatever it may be, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, c- can you get someone who ticks more boxes than Eddie Howe? That needs to be the question. I think you get someone who fits a club. I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, you know, you can you, you can go down any route. I mean, uh, all the good on social was at Cardiff. Had a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, went to mould. I think it was okay. Gets a man new job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, but you could look, wouldn't look at his CV and think he's the man for man. You look all the world. You really could pick anyone. When we we, we, we can't do that in Scotland and even at Celtic. So there is a fit sometimes And I think that A lot of the Celtic fans Seem to think that Eddie will fit The brief They will fit the style of football You know the The development side A long A slightly longer term project As I keep saying I have to quantify that Because I don't think you get forever But I think that's more 
of the style of the man, the, his manner. He comes across a little bit like Brendan Rodgers when he speaks. You know, he's got that kind of demeanour about him. Uh, articulate, well-spoken. And I, and I think a lot of people think, yeah, he would be a good fit mm. for Celtic. Listen, any manager is going to be... A, any player you sign is a risk. But I, I personally think that this is a longer-term project. That's the only thing I would say. I would think you need, need to give him a couple of seasons. Yep. That's my opinion. And I don't know if you'll get that. Is there anything in the... The concerns, the scepticism mm. that, that Hugh's got or that Laurie's got, Ross Is, is there anything in there that, that you would lean towards agreeing with? Is, is there anything about the Eddie Howe appointment that you would think Well, okay, he doesn't, he doesn't tick that box? I agree with the point in terms of like, Maybe his record in England in terms of home life isn't great I get that But I think we need to be looking at in, in the sense of He's up against a Chelsea, a Man United, a Liverpool He's up against bigger teams in England And for what he done with Bournemouth, I, I generally do think that Eddie Howe is a great manager, and I think the fact that Celtic are even being considered with Eddie Howe is is at, at this stage for me is is remarkable. I think when we got Brendan Rodgers, it was I think that he was like the I don't want to say he was better than Martin O'Neill, but he was up there with Martin O'Neill. But I think for for where Celtic are, I think Eddie Howe is is essentially where I think we we're at just now. I don't think we're any better than Eddie Howe. Would you think Frank Lampard would be a possibility? And, and I if wanted Ross, Frank Lampard. I'm so, sorry, I, I did actually want Lampard. I yeah. did, I, that was my first choice. So if you had, the two, if you had the two choices, Eddie, Eddie Howe yeah, or Frank Lampard, Lampard, you would go Lampard? I, if I had the choice, I would be, I would be on the phone to Frank Lampard tomorrow after they came up. I would be here. Yeah. I think he's got to be an option. Because, yeah, I mean, listen, people can talk about the amount of money he earned at Chelsea, but that's not, he's currently unemployed. He has he has been a manager, obviously, at Derby and at Chelsea. Um, you know, and again... I think it's, it's 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 definitely got to be. Has he done as much inquiry. in the management game as Eddie no, Howe has? No, he hasn't. But you just I, think the fit. I, I, I'm not again, as I said, but we're not saying Eden's perfect. Yep. As you mentioned earlier on, you're sure. not going to Eden perfect. But again, if you're looking at high profile, if you're looking mm. at potential mentality, mentality what media a top club, all these sort of yeah. things, then then he I mean, he, he covers some some of those aspects. To be fair, I assume we're now past that stage of kind of mm. you know kind of throwing random names mm. in. It does seem mm. to be Eddie Howe at the moment. Will mm. that transpire? We will find out. Robert is on. He says mm. when Roberto Martinez was the manager mm. of Wigan, they finished sixteenth, sixteenth, fifteenth, eighteenth. A worse record than Eddie Howe. It's not done him any harm. He's mm. gone on to manage the number one team in the world. Ross, what was your second point? My second point was and essentially towards the Celtic board. Now I think. That we need to be realistic. I get what John Kenny was saying about it takes time. I get that, but I'm a season ticket holder at Celtic, and I'm going to be asked to pay another six, seven hundred pound in the summer for a new season book. And at the moment, I, I think fans are going to basically not hold the club at ransom, but we're going to hold our money until we know that we're going to be getting a manager that's at the value of Celtic. And I just feel that after a season. The, the board really need to come out and let fans know what, what what's going on here. Are we getting Eddie Howe? Is it not Eddie Howe? We need, we've not been told nothing, but in a, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to get these season book renewals out and they're going to ask us to pay money for a manager that, that we don't even know is going to even be there. Ross makes a very pertinent point there. There is a football world and there's a commercial world and Celtic need to sell season tickets. The pandemic has... Had a dreadful effect on Celtic and every other club Clubs are losing money hand over fist because of the pandemic They are, after one season of asking people like Ross And tens of thousands of others 
To make a donation to the club Because that's what the season ticket turned into A donation to the club Because you couldn't go and watch a match mm. A second season of that Well in order to Have goodwill come with you Into that second season Ross is right They need to know who the manager is going yeah. to be And even if they did know They would have to find them charismatic enough for them to pay their money So it's, it, That is hard isn't it Because it's going to be On a, an individual Personal basis We get Loads of calls and tweets Saying well, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be renewing my season ticket Anyway I, I don't mm-hmm. care You know, I, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I'll be doing I'll be renewing it Other people may be Looking for that reassurance So it's um, It's difficult And I mean Ross I wonder about The, the idealism Of what, what you're saying I, I get the point Everybody wants clarity Everybody wants communication And you deserve it It's the hard money But if Celtic are chasing Eddie Howe I mean it's, it's pretty difficult for them to come out And, and publicly say that and, and then find that it doesn't transpire And then you, you're kind of like left with egg on your face I know some people would say That might happen anyway But it's quite rare for a club to, to come out And tell everyone which manager they're, they're chasing Is it not? I agree with that Gordon And I think that Celtic should use The way that Aberdeen did it Aberdeen came out and they let their supporters know that they were they were interviewing people, there was people in the pipeline, they were communicating. We've had nothing to Celtic at all. There's been no communication that the club are even considering managers. Um I just think the whole communication this season for the club is has been a shambles. But I just feel like the club need to come out and they just need to let Celtic fans know that they are doing things behind closed doors and they are considering managers because at the moment we we don't even know if Eddie Howe is a contender Like me personally, I want Eddie Howe um, But I just feel like the club need to come out And let the supporters know that There might be positions for a, a manager coming in and So the, so that the fans then realise that The club are communicating with them But I, again, I say I, I, would, I would use the way that Aberdeen did it Aberdeen were communicating with the fans Yeah, but there's a subtle point to be made here Celtic need to be aware of stock exchange rules when uh, Dominic Mackay had his date to arrive at Celtic Park made public, it had to be announced to the Stock Exchange, first of all. Celtic can't, because what they say affects their share price, they can't come out and say, do you know what, we might have Pep Guardiola in the pipeline here. Boof, share price goes upwards. Celtic have to have the manager. They have to have had him sign a contract and then they inform the stock exchange. Uh, thank you, Ross in the South Side. It was good to speak to you, Ross. Make sure you stay in touch. Uh, let's hear again from Hamilton boss Brian Rice. We heard from him on Saturday's show, the reaction on, on Twitter and social media. It was a very passionate interview, and I think a lot of people bought into that. So we've been hearing from him again for the first time, and he says he will never call the Scottish FA's head of referees ever again for a man-to-man talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says he's... Hitting out at Crawford Allen after that defeat to St Mirren last week, he says they were unfairly treated, but they have they have now cleared the air. I brought Crawford's name up in conversation last week. I thought, I thought it was only fair that I phoned him. Um, we had a man-to-man conversation. We agreed on certain things and we disagreed on certain things, which is great, you know. But I'll rest assured, I'll never be phoning Crawford Allen again. That's me done. I'm finished. I've said my piece. I got it off my chest, and it's finished now. That's it. I just thought it was, I needed what I said last week needed said. It needed said for me. You can't be Mr. Nice Guy all the time. You sometimes got to No, the fire's burning. The fire's burning in there. And sometimes it's got to, everybody else has got to see that. You know? Uh, and I'm just standing up for my club. 
Uh, I wasn't having a go at anybody else. I wasn't having a go at any specific referees. I wasn't having a go at ending at all. I was just standing up for my club and letting everybody know that the fire's still burning in there and me and my players are going to eat everything we've got. And it's done and dusted and we've moved on. We could wonder if this was a motivational exercise, you know, rip the place apart and give the, the dressing room some motivation. You've got to leave it alone now, Brian. You know, you've had, says he will. You've had your say, but by saying I'll never call him again, he is saying in brackets afterwards because it's a waste of time. He's, he's, he's like Liam Neeson, he's at a particular set of skills, <laughs> Brian, and he just wasn't going to let anybody away with anything. That, that, was, that was a roller coaster, that. that clip, though, because yeah. at the start, cause I, I must admit, I, it's been a. Uh, an interesting day um, And I hadn't heard that yet And at the start I thought Oh they're, they're pals They've cleared mm. there And then he says But rest nah. assured I'll never, never. call him again yeah. I thought yeah. Well they can't be that pally So I no, don't know that, that's, it. that's his way of saying Because it's a waste of time mm. And he, he takes nothing back Therefore Brian Rice Still believes Hamilton Ackies Do not get decisions Because they're a wee club And to use his word They are being shafted mm. So You know Let it go then Play football matches. Do you phone Crawford Allen? No. I, listen, you, God rest him, the late John Fleming, when, I, when he used to phone John, when John was in, in charge. And I, I, I think I maybe only phoned him twice over the, all the many, many years he was in charge. And he would actually kind of surprise me. Well, you've you phoned me, there must be something because it's unusual. Because it is really a waste of time. You know, you go and you, you'll phone, they'll give you their reasons. Fair enough, you know, you listen to them, but ultimately, whatever decision you've been aggrieved at is already gone, mm. it's done. It's you're not going to really change that. And if you think, well, look, you know, there was exactly the same situation happened the week before, and there was a penalty given against us, and we didn't get it this week, exactly the same, it doesn't matter. It, it, ultimately, it's done. Um, you have these meetings at the start of the season, um, when they you know they show you all these little clips about what will be a handball, or what will be an yep. offsider, and then. Invariably happens, you know, two weeks down the line, something uh, identical happens, and, and it's, a, it's a completely different decision. And they'll say, "Well, it's a referee's interpretation or whatever." Listen, the football is a game about debate. It's about argument, and unfortunately, whether it's Brian, myself, anybody else, you just have to kind of grit your teeth and go on, mate, because John, that's part and parcel of football. John Hughes jumped in the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. I noticed during the week mm-hmm. uh, when he said, "Yeah, small clubs get nothing." Now, I want to know what happens when Hamilton Ackies play Ross County now in the bottom mm-hmm. six. Here we have two small clubs who get nothing. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that we'd be as well playing the game without a referee then because neither side is getting anything? You should ref it, I think. Right, we're going to speak to Paul in the Merchant City. He's coming up next. Taking your calls on Scottish football. 0141 951 1025. This is Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Keevans and Jim Duffy are here. They are about to be joined by Paul in the Merchant City. But before we do that, let me just set up tonight's full time teaser just in case you need extra right. time on it. And not, not suggesting that you two would need that, right. but let's see how we get on. <laughs> extra days. The yes. pony is back on. He's sent All a few right. questions in this week and he wants to know can you name nine players who've played in the Scottish top flight? And whose father has played over 75 times in the English Premier League Callum Henry Son of Colin, Colin Henry Yes Well done Paul, Paul Douglas No So uh, played in the English Premier League Yeah Right not the top division So can you Premier name League nine players who've so played in the players. Scottish top flight Whose father has played over 75 times in the English Premier League Schmeichel Yes Casper just the 310 appearances for his father, Peter. Any more to kick us off? That's a good start, though. Is that Andy Rhodes? 
No. Okay, we'll leave it there. That's a good start. Casper Schmeichel and Callum Hendry. You lot at home, you can play along with us looking for the nine players who've played in the Scottish top flight, whose father has played over 75 times in the English Premier League. And as always, if you want to hear your question on the show, whether it's along those lines or something completely different, send it into fulltime at Clyde1.com. Josh Windass. No. What? No. I guess not. Dean Windass must have. He was delighted with him. He actually did a celebratory dance before he gave me that answer, and it's still wrong. Okay, let's bring in Paul and see what his point is. Hi, Paul. Hi. Hi, Gordon. Hello. You all right? How are you? Good. Yeah, I'm good. Oh, good Can I give you an answer to the quiz question? The boys no, 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 no. Well, let's see how you get on. I'm, I'm fading you down, Paul. We'll see how we get on at the end and if they need your help. Yeah, but it's too early. On you go. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> um, so I just want to make a point about the whole Brendan Rogers, Stephen Gerrard. Uh, kind of timeline I think before Brendan Rodgers came to Celtic and the quality of manager was way below uh, anything you could compare to him and I suppose you go back to maybe the Graham Souness era when he came to Rangers that it was a, a game changer so you could argue that uh, Stephen Gerrard would not have came to Rangers had Brendan Rodgers not been Celtic manager I'll never know the answer to that but the point I'm trying to make is um, Eddie Howe Preceding Brendan Rodgers would have been a, a stellar appointment for any club, uh, Celtic included. So I think there's a lot of doom and gloom around the whole uh, debacle. As, 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 as Hugh pointed out earlier, Celtic, a PLC, they can't go you know, rumour-mongering names about the place. And, and Eddie Howe remains, if he, if he is appointed, then that remains a, a quality premiership-level manager to come to Scotland. I'm not sure I'm following the point here Well Paul, I think Paul's kind of saying that Brendan Rodgers has kind of raised the bar For, mm. for the managerial appointments You're now mm. By by being sceptical You wouldn't have been sceptical of Eddie Howe Had Brendan Rodgers not come along mm. essentially I, I think the circumstances raised the bar Gordon You know when Ronnie Dyler was the Celtic manager uh, Rangers were in real bother And not in the top flight And I think Celtic thought Um yeah, he, he could win us the league um, because there's no Rangers there and uh, over the course of his two seasons there, um, Hearts and Hibs were out the top flight as well at various stages. Um, so the the decision to bring in Brendan Rodgers undoubtedly raised the bar, but for a club of Celtic size, they should be looking to maintain that bar. I, I wonder if that's Paul's point though, is that... Is that that ceiling is, is is too high? You are not replicating that Brendan Rodgers appointment. So Bre- Brendan Rodgers was a lifelong Celtic fan. Mm-hmm. He just happened to do a work and he took it on as a project at a time in his career where I may point out I don't think he'd ever played in Europe either. I don't think it, it, that's the represented uh, well, apart from Liverpool, obviously. But you know, prior to his Liverpool appointment, he wasn't a you know a, a European uh, or, or one anything. Yeah, exactly, or one anything. So. Yeah. So if you, if you, if you for, for for Brendan Rodgers read Eddie Howe, I think at that time and uh, case in point, then uh, Celtic would have been happy with that that appointment. Can I make another point, Gordon? Of course you can. Right, right. I, th- I think you uh, said a couple uh, last week on the program that that whoever comes in at Celtic has got a bigger rebuilding job than Stephen Gerrard. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is that right, Hugh? You concur with that? Yeah. I. I plead guilty to that, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, I think that's based on the assumption that 
the Callum McGregors and the Ryan Christies and even Odson Edward are, are, are going out the door um, and I think we've got short memories about how big a rebuilding job uh, Stephen Gerrard had when I think Daniel Candace, I think, was the best player at Rangers. Well, James Tavernier was actually the best player at Rangers at that time, but nobody actually acknowledged that. So I think we need to get, you know, we need a reality check on that. that these players don't become bad players overnight. I just think it's the scale of the job that the new Celtic manager, whoever he may be, uh, has to do in a short space of time uh, uh, There was a gentleman on last night Listened to the programme And he said that Celtic should give Vasilius Barkas another chance And uh, No they shouldn't He's got a problem with anything In between his posts And underneath his crossbar So they need a goalkeeper They need uh, a back four They're losing The heartbeat of the club In Scott Brown uh, They will lose Edward Because it makes commercial sense To lose Edward Uh they're massive changes And I'm not factoring in Callum McGregor or Ryan Christie I'm not saying that they're going I think that, that is true But but Paul's talking about that comparison you made to Rangers So you've, Celtic need what half a team say Two thirds of a team whatever it may be Rangers yeah. needed a full team mm. the, you know, the, the, the last old firm game before Stephen Gerrard took over Was that 5-1 at Ibrooks. Rangers team that day Fotheringham Tavernier Hill Wilson Beerman Windass Hindman Holt Miller Dodu Waghorn that that they were at a lower place then than Celtic are now. Well, the, the other surely the other thing to be factored in is that uh, Celtic, having lost Nicky Hammond, which was entirely the right thing to do to lose Nicky Hammond. Uh, who is who's picking players? See, there's no manager, there's no director of recruitment. Uh, so for me, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and and by your own comment ten minutes ago, Celtic aren't allowed to see what's going. On. So, if you, if you use a Guardiola point of view and they say they're going to appoint Gus Hiddink as sporting director, but he's not yet in the door, then because Celtic have run as a PLC on proper ground, they, 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 they can't do that. So Yeah, but, 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 but I'm looking in front of me and I don't see anybody there. You know, they don't, I'm not bothered about the stock exchange, which is the point I brought up, but... I, I'm going by the evidence of my own eyes There's nobody there There's no manager There's an interim manager But there's no manager mm. And Nicky Hammond has gone I, I, do, I don't know who's coming in But currently There's nobody there Jim having done both roles mm. What what have you made of the way this is playing out With um, suggestions And it might be no more than that at the moment That you know that, that Eddie Howe might somehow kind of bring bring a director of football. Is that not go against the way it's meant to work? Yeah, I mean it would be un, unusual, but not not hmm. unique. I mean, obviously they're not are, ideal. No, I mean obviously depending on who the guy was. If the board felt that he was the best candidate, but Eddie Howe had a strong suggestion or influence on it, if you yeah. want to call it that, then you wouldn't you wouldn't say it was out of the question. I mean, it's happened in football clubs in the past where managers. You know, are close to someone, and yep. you know, put put that name forward to to the club, mm-hmm. and then the club think, okay, he he's a good appointment. So is, no, is I, it not I, kind I of jarred on in the sense that, well, the, you know, the director of football is meant to be there for for continuity, mm-hmm. and I know I'm being ridiculous here, but then Eddie Howe comes in mm-hmm. as the manager, loses his first ten games, five nil, mm-hmm. gets sacked. But you've still got his director of football. Yeah, I mean, again, as I say, but you normally director of football is looking at the overall club, the club as a, as, as a whole, not not so much the the first team manager. I mean, Eddie Howe or whoever gets the job at Celtic, his remit will be the first team. 
you know, the other parts of the club will be down to a director of football or sporting director or whatever title the, 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 the new guy comes in with. Um, so they'll be looking at the bigger picture. Uh, he'll have an influence on signings, but not again. That could be another separate yeah. department. You could have a head of recruitment as well. So massive football clubs have got lots of, uh, you know, uh, various departments now and they've all got a degree of responsibility on the first team. But ultimately, the manager of, will be the manager of the first team. Paul? Yeah, so, so t- just to go back to my, my Graham Soonest point, uh, to take Q's point that there's nobody there, uh, and I remember it clearly because every single footballer in Scotland got a wage rise when Graham Soonest arrived in Scotland. But at that point, correct me if I'm wrong, Lawrence Marlborough uh, relinquished control of Rangers. David Holmes came in and the rebuilding job was actually being done on the training pitch while Scotland were in Mexico when Graham Soonis was tapping up Walter Smith or, or talking to Walter Smith about the job. So there's an example of something that, in retrospect, we all know what happened, but in reality, things were, were happening behind the scene, and, and that totally revolutionised Scottish football. So, you know, the fact that because we, we don't know, it looks as if there's going to be a, a systemic uh, change in, in structure, which is well overdue. Uh, I, know, I know Darren Fletcher was mentioned in, in dispatches, and he's now been given a a pivotal role yeah, in a, man, a much yeah, bigger yeah. club. Yeah, but much bigger club. But, but, you know, you hear guys like Ferdinand talking the other night there about how it's such a big club and they've all got different departments. So I think we need to let Dominic Mackay come in the door and see uh, see how this plays out. And uh, I'm, I'm so glad you read that team out there. And I, and I, I can't believe that there was never a headline about Joe Dodo. But um, anyway, um, I mean, it's, it's going to have a long summer uh, for some people, but at the end of the day, uh, we just have to uh, get a bit of perspective about what's actually happening. Paul, it was good to hear from you. Some good points. That was Paul in the Merchant City. It's 01419511025 if you would like to join in. Uh, Hugh, some other news stories. That, there are a few actually today. Oh. Um, but one that I certainly think interests a lot of people is that UEFA has now officially given the green light for Hamden to continue as a host venue for Euro 2020 The plans for the 12,000 supporters Have been given their approval As we told you about mm. A couple of nights ago um, It is just two months away The tournament Which is frightening uh, UEFA had asked all the host nations For indications of how many fans Expected to be able to admit in June um, We told you the other night 25% of the capacity Works out about 12,000 um, So UEFA is confirming Games will go ahead at eight cities Including Glasgow um, But still looking for further Clarification from the likes of Munich, Bilbao, Rome and Dublin Because they're not in the same position as us to, to give those assurances Well it'd be nice to hear noise um, I'm getting bored rigid now Whether it's Champions League football, Scottish Cup, uh, the, the Premiership I'm getting bored rigid watching football grounds with nobody in them uh, So be nice I, I do think that uh, tickets will be obviously hard to come by yeah. I think in fairness they should go to Tartan Army members because they've signed up, paid their money, go everywhere. If only 12,000 are getting in, I think they should all be drawn from the Tartan Army. I mean, Jim, that, that is a, a minefield that I think mm. we're yet to tiptoe across. Um, I mean, Hugh's right. Mm. I'm sure, I, yeah. Well, I was going to say I'm sure. I hope there will be an element of fairness. and mm. I mean, there, there has to be. But we, we probably have to. Well, we definitely have to prepare ourselves for the fact that you ain't even coming close to pleasing everyone, and you, you can't come close really to being fair to everyone either. Ah, it's impossible. You, you know, with the best will in the world, you'd probably want maybe even close to a hundred thousand people wanting tickets for that. You know, maybe more. But 
you know, because of uh, the, the the length of time since we've been in a tournament and and, and being on home gr- uh, soil as well. So no, listen, it's it's very very uh, small steps, baby steps towards getting fans back in again. If we get the twelve thousand in and it goes well, they're saying that perhaps in the latter stages of the tournament that could increase, that could double to say yeah. 25,000 or something like that so and I know that I think there's one one of the European countries got 100, 100% I think and there's a couple of 50% so we're making strides towards it this is the first step and if it goes well in the summer then that would bode well for the domestic campaign for the new season for the new season I think a lot of people are hoping though Hugh that mm. it would actually have some sort of benefit to us this season That mm. that most of the calls we got the other night were Along the lines of Alright then Well, What's happening with club football Can we get any in Before the end of the uh-huh. season There's not a lot of time between Then the news came That there will definitely be no fans mm-hmm. um, Inside Hamden For the Scottish Cup final Because UEFA will already Have taken control of the stadium By yeah. then If you remember The Scottish Cup final Was meant to be I think the 8th of May mm-hmm. And it, it got moved back yeah. When the Scottish Cup Got suspended However The follow up question And you can You can hear it already Is Well play the Scottish Cup final Somewhere else then Oh. Why not play it somewhere else And get 4,000 fans in as a test event Why not Why not move it Ibrook, Celtic Park Tynecastle, Wherever If it's a small number of fans Why does it need to be At an empty Hamden Is that a fair question uh, For me You spoke earlier Gordon Of societal changes uh, This is a Jason Leach matter mm. um, We need to know Where we are In terms of the pandemic uh, In terms of the dangers Of uh, going 50 miles In the other direction uh, so we are being guided here by the scientists Yeah, well that, that's the thing Jim I'm not pretending to, to have the, the, the clinical know-how Far mm. from it But there is a suggestion that because of the Euros mm. That we will get test events we, yeah. we, we, we might need to go back to test mm. events And seemingly the only reason that that can't happen At the Scottish mm. Cup final Is because UEFA, UEFA have taken control of Hamden yeah. So I'm, I'm not speculating about Mm. whether it's safe or not I'm going on the assumption that actually it is safe Because other test events will be taking place Is it too too idealistic to suggest that they they shift the Scottish Cup final To somewhere else and get some fans in? (laughs) No, no, it's not I mean, I think again, you know, it's not Before it would be, you know, you'd be thinking You need the big ground for the big, for the crowds But obviously with only a very limited amount in Whether it's Mm. whatever percentage you call it, Gordon I think that's a decent suggestion And even if you did need that, we've got three of them in this country Yeah, I mean, but there's plenty I mean, you know, you're only going to maybe have At most maybe 20,000 So yeah, absolutely I mean, I think they've got the couple of test events down south uh, coming up. I think this week's um, Caribou Cup final thing's getting was 8,000. Oh. Um, and I know Wembley Hall's 92,000. Mm. And then they're talking about further down the line uh, more as well. So, no, I, I think I think that's a reasonable suggestion. And I would like I would like uh, our governing bodies again to put that proposal and say, yeah, use it as a test event in one of the other states. Yeah, we understand if... If one of the old firms there, yeah, you don't want to... But, but as you say, they're both mm. playing each other, so that eliminates one and a yeah. of competition straight away. I mean, I guess the official line will be that, you know, fans... It, it was never a consideration mm. to, to get fans into the stadium once they knew that the the date was shifting for UEFA, but um, you can understand why fans are at least just, just asking the question. Um, right, how are you getting on with this teaser? We're looking for nine players who've played in the Scottish top flight, whose father has played over 75 times... In the English Premier League Guys like Casper Schmeichel And Callum Hendry Did uh, Gordon Strachan's No 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 No, no. Uh, I, I'm not sure if he 
if in the Premier League I know there was a thistle at the time but it was Niall Keown and Martin yes, Keown yes well done Niall Keown and Martin Keown and Alec Bruce and Steve Bruce brilliant well done mm, I'm toiling just now <laughs> Stuart Gray was at Celtic his dad no, was Eddie Gray no 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 no, no. there's one there at, there's one in our Premiership at the moment if that helps mm. he is one third of your favourite Premiership strike force <laughs> because no, you like the way their name sounds. Lanny, Longy, and Coley. Devante Cole. Who's Coley's old man? Andy. Andy Cole. Andy. Okay. Andrew. Is it Andrew, Andrew these days? Yes, Did Andrew. you not change it? I don't know. Yes, Andy. Andy Cole. Andrew Cole. I, and when I say change it, you know, I don't think it requires much change, but you refer to him as Andrew. Uh, yes, Devante mm-hmm. Cole, Casper Schmeichel, Niall Keown, Callum Hendry, Alex mm-hmm. Bruce will get the rest next. Number one for football in Glasgow and the West. 0141-951-1025. Clyde One Super Scoreboard. We're into the final part of tonight's Clyde One Super Scoreboard. Hugh Keevans and Jim Duffy are here, and we're looking for the guys to name the nine players who've played in Scotland's top flight, whose father played over 75 times in the English Premier League. That's a good question. I like that. Devante Cole, Casper Schmeichel, Niall Keown, Callum Hendry, and Alex Bruce. Which means you've got four to get Got one Ollie Lee I heard you two at the break And it was a perfect I, teamwork You kind of both, both come up with at the same time Ollie yeah. Lee, his dad is Rob Lee mm, Well done Three to get mm. Are they the three hardest? Yes, mm. by a mile mm. Are we back in the mists of time here? Um, a, a bit of a mixed bag to be honest Funnily enough So one of the One of them Although his dad played over 75 times in the English Premier League He's much better known to us for, for having played up here I mean he had a, a high profile career up here He's even been a manager up here <laughs> That's not helping us any going to that Okay let me I, th- I think I, I'd mentioned to you before because of... Okay he played mm-hmm. for one of our big city clubs uh-huh. mm-hmm. And he managed one of our big other city clubs So he's been involved in in a in a, a derby in Glasgow and in Edinburgh, but one as a player, one as a manager. You've maybe forgotten these, but who? Sam Stubbs. Stubbs. Yeah, yeah we go. Sam Stubbs. Stubbs. Yeah, Alan Stubbs. Yeah. Son. Okay, yeah. two to get. We'll get them later. Uh, let's speak to Mark and Clyde Bank. Hi, Mark. Hi. Can you hear me? Okay, Mark. How you doing there, right? Yeah, got you loud and clear now. What's your point? Um, what is it? It's just regarding obviously the current situation with Celtic. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's a manager uh, situation. Yep. Um, and would would you think panel of Roy Keane and Henrik Larsson as the managers? Well, first of all, Henrik is in Barcelona, and mm-hmm. and Henrik will stay in Barcelona. Um, Roy Keane, for me, you know, people phone here asking for an individual's opinion. My individual opinion of Roy Keane, 10 years out of management, the years that he spent in management were not particularly successful. Uh, he, I mean, he were initially, I suppose. Well, he, he won promotion with Sunderland, but as Alec Ray keeps telling me, he spent a fortune to get Sunderland up. Um, I, I just think his style is too confrontational. Uh, Celtic don't need... Confrontation. They've got plenty of it And have had plenty of it this season um, For me, Roy Keane, no But you, you you prefer that Mark? You think the size of that character And perhaps the, 
discipline I don't know that the aura you think that would that would work Mark, Mark. he disappeared See, I, I don't think you know to go back to Mark's original point I don't think you can have genetic engineering as well we'll just take Henrik uh, from Barcelona and we'll just bring up Roy from Greater Manchester and we'll just put the two of them in a room together and everything will be fine I mean there has to be some kind of chemistry between the two yeah but I mean again as I say that you know sometimes people pluck superstar players I mean we've obviously seen recently Thierry mm-hmm. Henry you know or, or Patrick Vieira or you know, whoever, it doesn't necessarily make a top manager. Uh-huh. Um, you know, Brendan Rodgers, for instance, wasn't a top footballer, all these kind of things. Ha- so has our own kind of frame of reference on that shifted with the appointment of Steven Gerrard? I'm not saying that guarantees you and that they all do it, but we just said it there. He'd never mm. been a manager before, yeah. but the career, the pressure, mm. the level, the, the handling of the spotlight and the scrutiny seems to have gone in, in Steven Gerrard's favour. I think that there are guys that look cut out to be a manager, you know. I mean, and Gerard always, you know, captain, you know, just that, that, the whole, you know, that he's, he's, he's there on his charisma, mm. you know, his personality, having that driven, really a driven guy. Uh, and, 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 and always, you'd always have thought he would be a success as a manager. And you'll certainly get guys that you see me cut and, and when you, you know, that mould. Because, I mean, Roy Keane's got that drive and yeah, character, Roy doesn't has, he? But he's not been a manager, I think, what, for ten. Seven, seven ten years, ten years. Ten years, ten years. Ten years yeah. And again, I think. Even by his own admission, when he when he hear him as a, as a pundit, as I said before, I think he's a fantastic pundit because he says it's straight. But I'm not sure if the if the modern day player will accept yeah. his his so way of dealing with things. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. You Mark, know, but Mark, what do you think about that then? Because the guys are saying they, you know, you you obviously think that the Roy Keane style would suit. Tell us a bit more about that. I don't know. Mark told me he'd gone to the window to get a signal in Clyde Bank. Mm-hmm. Is, is Clyde Bank a signal hotspot? You're out, you're in the leafy suburbs now, aren't you? Uh, I'm not. Uh, not from the these parts anymore. Type. Uh, Mark, um, one last chance. Nah, he's gone. He's away. See, again, I think people. This is my snap judgment and all this. I think people look at Roy Keane and think, "Oh, scary guy. Mm. He will go in that dressing room and he'll scare the living daylights out of them." Mm. Celtic don't need somebody mm. to go into a dressing room and scare the living daylights out of Andy. They're a football manager. What if then he. I mean, it seems. It's Eddie Howe's the front runner, right? We've gone back mm. on a couple of weeks, but since Mark brought it up, what if though he surrounded himself with some truly brilliant coaches, brilliant football minds, and, and they were the ones that implemented that, and then Roy Keane was, was able to be Roy Keane and, and could step in I, here I, and there? I don't think Roy Keane is, is the scary guy that everybody thinks. I think he's just a straight talker. But I'm, I, I agree with you in some aspects, Gordon, that you can get two good coaches or three good coaches, whatever it happens to be, you get a good team around, but you get the balance right. So you get you know, someone like Martin O'Neill who didn't get involved that much in all the training, but when he spoke and you ask any player to work with him, you know, he had that presence. You got a, a yeah. Walter Smith, you got a presence. You get somebody, as soon as he, he opens his mouth... The players, you know, the ears prick up. So you get a Roy Keane, he could absolutely do that. I've got no issues with that. Just get the balance right. But just because he's not done it for 10 years, I think it's yeah. an awful long I mean, time to go back into management. I remember listening to a podcast and Stephen Gerrard said mm. it would take him 20 years to become mm. as good a coach as Michael Beale is. Mm. So Stephen Gerrard mm. is not is not the coaching mastermind mm. there. Michael no. Beale is. And Stephen Gerrard will pick and choose his mm. moments to step yeah. back and then step in, and then that has an impact. Oh, yeah. the, oh, the gaffers involved here, and exactly because players that you say that will respond to that. I mean, listen, I've I've no managed at these these level of clubs and that stuff, but I do know that from my own experience that back in the day I wanted to do everything, everything, 
and you know you, you it was too much you know when you look back now it would have been better to, to have an impact more of an impact step away as I've got Do older you know, and a little bit more experience I've allowed that much much more but back in the day you didn't and Stephen Gerrard all credit to him has, has, has managed to do that as a young manager not think he has to be involved in every single aspect of the club yeah. there is a potential danger building up here to my way of thinking on this programme tonight we would people mention Frank Lampard his uncle Harry Arsene Wenger Roy Keane Henrik Henrik <laughs> and the longer this goes on and the longer Celtic don't have Eddie in place, this is going to degenerate. Yeah, but that's fine though. Fans can fans and pundits can can discuss it. I'm assuming in the in the Celtic boardroom they're not still going, What about Lampard? What about Harry Redknapp? Well, I might be wrong, but I think for, for us to have that discussion, that's fine. Right. Do you want to squeeze one more thing in before we go? Can't be let's be honest, we shouldn't you know, we shouldn't always court these things But sometimes a bit of managerial beef is alright I think we can agree with that, can we? Jim Duffy's been over the course on that Well, Tommy Wright is accusing John Hughes of talking too much <laughs> And he's telling the Ross County boss to focus on his own team Hughes had claimed that all the relegation pressure is on Kilmarnock With Wright saying that that will be a tactic to try and influence referees I, I, I don't really listen to John too much You know, he probably talks too much um, Our focus has been ourselves Maybe he should focus on his team. So I think he's maybe trying to influence referees, but um, no, we'll concentrate on our, our own team. In the last two games, we've finished games off. We've been ruthless. So, yeah, I've seen a, a you know a marked improvement, and we have to continue that run. We know if we can go on a run, you know, we can hopefully go on a cup run and and, and finish the season off strongly in the league. I don't think Kilmarnock Ross County needed an extra edge mm. tomorrow, but we've got one anyway. Yeah. Last time I looked at Ross County Inverness Cali Thistle were running all over the top of them And uh, knocking them out the Scottish Cup I think John is whistling in the dark here um, Tommy Wright's not the type to fall for any of that But I do have sympathy for Tommy Wright For Brian Rice For uh, John Hughes Because they are in the survival battle And they all talk too much <laughs> From time to time Is the thing that Tommy Wright I'm sure he'll feel this way But I wonder if you agree that the thing he's got going from that the others don't is Kyle Lafferty. Yeah, yeah, but Kyle Lafferty and confidence. You know, they were always a difficult side to play against. Um, anyway, you know, they had a bit of a structure and organisation, but they, they lacked goals. But since he's come in, he's given them goals from a personal point of view and also from the team. The team look as if they're more confident going forward. Uh, Chris Buck, who started the season building a little bit of a dip, seems to have reinvigorated himself again. You know, so that they've definitely got more about them now, and I think they'll go into the games now believing, as, as, as Tommy just said there, not just this week, but going forward the cup and uh, the rest of the league games. I think they'll finish the season strong. Yeah, big games coming up tomorrow. Make sure you join us from two o'clock in the afternoon. Before we go anywhere, we need to finish this teaser. Can you name nine players who've played in Scotland's top flight whose father has played over seventy-five times? In the English Premier League So Devante Cole Kasper Schmeichel Niall Keown Ollie Lee Callum Hendry Sam Stubbs And Alex Bruce Two to go Was, was one French? Yes um, I like your the, thinking Who was the boy that played He said um, He said he was a precursor To the number The, the, the false number nine Or whatever It was a nine and a half He played in that role didn't yeah, I think dad. you're probably right Yeah, I can't so you're talking from 98 France World Cup winning yeah, side Along um, that era aye, And his uh, boy was at yeah, Do you remember the team? St Mirren St Mirren Two appearances yeah. in the league I think Yeah 
Maybe scored a, Did he score a penalty In a League Cup Group stage game Or something Or <sighs> Maybe wrong annoying me Because I know who it is I can see him but His dad played for yeah. Bolton Yeah I, No listen I, I know who it is But I just I just, <laughs> just don't know his get, name I just can't get the name out Hugh uh, Is it ringing any bells He's, he's a flair kind of player Plays off the front Jorkiev uh, Jorkiev Oh what's he getting Duffy does all the hard work yeah. and Keevans just taps it <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah, honestly. I went into the 50 50s. The shins, just finished. the shins are all bleeding and he's just tapping <laughs> in, taking all the glory. He's a wee point to his name in the back of his shirt. Kissing the badge. Last one. <laughs> this the, the dad, if you like, played mm. for most notably Blackburn and had a spell at Aberdeen. Uh, Peter Nicholas? Nope. I think I mean he won the English oh, Premier League. He won the English Won the English Premier League with Blackburn. Won uh, it. Tim Sherwood uh, Oh Henry was there um, And his son Played not very often His son is called George He's at Motherwell For a brief spell Blackburn Yeah And Aberdeen Mid, late, mid to late 90s What position did he play? He was a striker I think Yeah he was a striker Shearer No oh, That's what I'm saying son that's Duncan played up Shearer. here No yeah, That's what I'm saying That's not Alan's son I need to put you out your misery Mike Newell Ah, George Right thank you Hugh And Jim George is coming up for you next And we'll see you at 2 o'clock tomorrow